Please pray with me. Let the good news come now, O God, not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I want my sense of humor back. I know what I did with it. I lost it, and I, I know why. I, I know how I lost it, which is that I, I got old. And the weird thing is, I got old all of a sudden. I got old pretty much last year. Uh, up until last year, I had always seen myself, at, at least mentally, you know, emotionally, the, the the real me. I had seen that person as as in his early twenties, but. Um, Last year, my my mental, my emotional age caught up with my biological age, and I think that's what happened to my sense of humor. And I have a pretty good idea of some of the reasons why that happened, why I got so old last year, um, and I don't need to list them here because I'm not really interested in them. I, I don't really care what the reasons are. I'm not looking for a good excuse for losing my sense of humor. What I want is to have my sense of humor back. The, the singer-songwriter Elvis Costello had a line in one of his songs. He said, I used to be disgusted, now I try to be amused. And for me, it's, it's kind of the opposite. I always used to be amused, and increasingly I found that I'm disgusted or I'm disappointed or I'm some other negative feeling, and I would much rather have a, that, that lighter feeling, that lighter feeling of amusement. So I want that back. And the the reason I'm telling you all this is because I've discovered something strange about myself, which is that I am reluctant to take this matter to God. Um, and yet, I am a pastor. I know that that's what I should do. Um, I know if, if you came to me and you had the same problem, if you said, you know, you wanted your sense of humor back, I would say, well, gee, that's that's not, you know, like losing your keys. That's something maybe you should go to God. And I might, we, we could have a conversation. And I'd tell you about it, you know, what that might look like and so forth. And we could we could have that discussion. But I'm reluctant to do it myself. Uh, Jesus talked about physician, you know, heal thyself. And that's kind of the position I find myself in. I, I know or, or I have a pretty good sense of what it is that I need. And yet at the same time, I find myself reluctant to do it. And the reason is because I, I feel embarrassed. I feel I feel like I would have to go to God and say, look, you gave me a good sense of humor and I broke it. Or... The world broke it because I wasn't taking good care of it, or or I lost it um, because I wasn't paying attention, or some other thing. I'd have to explain to God, and, and it it would it just makes me feel awkward, and and I, I feel like that's something I don't. That's a conversation I don't want to have. That I feel embarrassed. I feel ashamed. That I feel that there was something I could have done differently somehow, maybe, and it would have resulted in a different situation. I'm reluctant to go to God, even though I know that's what I should do. And I don't know if you feel that way. I don't know if this is something that, that you can relate to or not. I think some people can. I think some people can say, well, you know, for me, it's not my sense of humor. Um, it's it's uh, that I'm looking for uh, uh, the, a relation, that, that there was a relation that I broke. The, the thing I broke was, was my dream. There was a dream that motivated me and helped me get through the day. And I, I let the world break it over time. And and so I think that people have these different things that that they know that they should go to God or they, they they believe that if they did go to God then God could help them with it and yet at the same time we don't 
And the reason for that, uh, the reason I believe that, that there are people in this situation is because we see them in the scriptures. We see them starting at the very beginning of the, the, the Hebrew scriptures in the book of Genesis. We read about Adam and Eve and, and, and what we read about them is this. After they've eaten the, the forbidden fruit, they, they, um, God had forbidden them to eat this fruit and they did anyway. And so we read in uh, Genesis 3, uh, during that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in the middle of the garden's trees. The Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And the man replied, I heard your sound in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. That that these these two people, and it... For, for the purposes of this conversation, it doesn't matter whether you believe they are they are actual historical people or if this is a sophisticated allegorical commentary on what it means to be human. That either way, these people have been cut off from God. That there there is a, a, a gulf between them and God. And when they hear God coming, they go and they hide in the bushes. And the the problem is on their side. God is still walking through the garden. God is still ready for um, an, a relationship with them, but they hide because they are cut off. That what they have done is cut them off from God. And I think that this is what my problem is with my sense of humor. And, I, and my guess is you can relate to it, or a lot of people can relate to it, because because we have been cut off from God, that that we are separated from God. There's this gulf between us and God, but there is a solution. The scriptures tell us that there is a solution, which is the the office of priest. And the idea of a priest, uh, literally in English, the word priest means a, a bridge builder or someone who has made a bridge, that that, that, that bridge or the person who built it, that, that is a priest. And the reason for that is that there is this, this gap that here is one party and here is the other party and they need an intermediary. They need a bridge to connect them. So that's, that's, um, what the word priest comes, uh, in, in English comes from. In the, in the biblical languages, they actually tease that out a little bit more. They, they, they focus in on the person who is that intermediary, the person who's been set apart to do that work. Um, the, the person who can who can go to God when we feel reluctant to, when there's something that's keeping us from from going to God, that person, that intermediary, can do it for us, and that person is the priest. And uh, uh, the 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 passage we're going to look at today uh, tells us about how Jesus is the better priest, that better than the priests that are described in the Hebrew scriptures, Jesus has a superior priesthood to them. And uh, we've been we've been in this conversation uh, in in the letter to the Hebrews, and we've been seeing that this is kind of a recurring theme that whatever whatever the issue is, Jesus is better. We began a couple of weeks ago looking at the way that Jesus is bigger than our problems, and then we saw the way that that Jesus is um, he's uh, uh, higher than the angels, and he's um, he, he the, the salvation that Jesus provides is is a better salvation than simply 
uh, escaping ahead of ahead of the the fire or whatever that that in every way we can think of Jesus is superior to to the alternatives and that's true in in this passage in the the letter to the Hebrews we're going to wrap up our conversation uh, next week but this week we're going to look at four chapters and we're going to do it very quickly we're not going to have time to, to delve into them in any great detail we're just going to skim across the surface but in it what we're going to see is this office of priesthood and the way that Jesus is a superior priest to the to the ones in the the Hebrew scriptures so um, so we are picking things up in uh, chapter 5 in verse 1. So uh, the writer tells us, Every high priest is taken from the people and put in charge of things that relate to God for their sake in order to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So this is someone who is from among us, somebody who understands where we're coming from, somebody who can relate to us, um, who, who can say, okay, I know what it feels like to lose my sense of humor or to lose something else uh, that that is important to my well-being and want it back. So there's people who who can relate to us. They're, they're humans. They're chosen from among the people and put in charge of things that relate to God. So they function as this, this intermediary um, for the sake of the other people. And they do this in order to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, sacrifice, sacrifices is a big topic, and you know there's whole books in the, the Hebrew scriptures that deal with the, the whole sacrificial system. And we, we're not even going to go there. We're just going to say that this is an important thing. And the reason really isn't that hard to understand. If you think about what our ordinary you know word means for sacrifice, what, what, what do we mean when we talk about a sacrifice? We say we say that they are sacrificing because because um, they want something else. They, they give up something that is good in order to have something better. We, we, we save money for our, college, for our kids' college education. We are giving up something good, money and the things that money can, can buy, in exchange for this other thing. So we're making a sacrifice. Right now, our whole nation, really the whole world, has been in a situation where we've been sacrificing good things. We've been sacrificing um, jobs and businesses. We've been sacrificing personal contact in order to social distance. And it's not because um, those things are bad or because social distancing is particularly good. It's because we want something more. We're making sacrifices so that people won't catch the, the coronavirus or so that the hospitals won't be overwhelmed. We're making sacrifices because because we're, we're we want something better and we're willing to give up something good in exchange for something better. And the religious idea of sacrifice is essentially the same idea that we, we bring something to God that's good because we want something better. And it, one of the details, if you read some of the books in the, the Hebrew scriptures about sacrifice, you'll see that one of the restrictions on, on a sacrifice is it's got to be something good. If you're, if you're giving up, um, uh, an animal. It can't be a diseased animal or one that's lame or something like that. It's actually got to be something good. The idea is not to trade something lousy for something that's good, but to, to give up something good and say, I actually want something better. And so, so there's this idea of uh, giving up something good in exchange for something better. And so that's the idea of sacrifice. And he says that, that, um, this priest is taken from the people, put in charge of things that relate to God in order to offer gifts and sacrifices for their sake, in order to to indicate to God, this is the situation, that these people that I'm, I'm bringing my prayers for, um, my gifts, uh, 
want something better. They want a relationship with you and the things that can come from that. So that's that's the big idea of a priest and the sacrifice. And he says, the high priest, why it's important that the high priest come from the people. He says, the high priest is able to deal gently with the ignorant and those who are misled because he himself is prone to weakness. The idea is here, here is that... Uh, we know or have access to to God's instructions. We know what God says, but we don't want to do it. I know that God could could help me heal in a way that I would have my sense of humor back, but I don't trust God. I feel ashamed and I'm embarrassed, and so I find that I'm reluctant to do the thing that that I know. And the reason is because I don't really see God the way He is. I don't see God the way He is in His reality. Instead, I conjure up a, a God who's more... Um, forbidding or, or one who will blame me because I lost the things that he gave me. So I'm ignorant of the real God. I have this this picture of a God in my head and the high priest can deal gently with, with me and people like me because he knows what that's like. He knows what it's like to be uh, unable to, to form a, a an accurate uh, picture of who God is and, and the things that God uh, wills for us, God's purposes for us. So he can deal gently with us, and because of uh, and because of that, he has a problem because he is a one of us. He is like us. He can relate to us. That leads to another problem, which is that um, uh, because he is weak, he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the people. So there's this this idea that 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 we want someone who's like us because he can relate to us, but we also want somebody who, when he brings sacrifices to God isn't isn't deluding them with his own problems that that he's got issues of his own and so if he brings in you know a, a sacrifice uh, such and such a sacrifice that it really deal with our problem and not his problem that that um, that his his sacrifice ends up getting or, or the sacrifice he brings gets dissipated because he's he's using it across not only the people he brought it for but but himself as well so so um this weakness means that he his sacrifice is is a lesser sacrifice. If it was a if it was a good sacrifice, good for better. Remember that's the goal of a sacrifice. If it was a good, it's somewhat less good because now it's diluted among among a greater number of people. So it's not as good. So that's that's the problem. And uh, there there is um, another another problem with the sacri- or, or with this it's not with the sacrifice it's with the priest which is that there's different categories of priest he goes on in verse 4 he says no one takes this honor for themselves but takes it only when they are called by god just like aaron so he refers back to the hebrew um, uh, uh, legal system the 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 hebrew law the old testament law and says that there is in that in that system a a structure of priests there's levites and priests and then one in particular the high priest and they have to be chosen by God. That we can't simply uh, take it on ourselves to say, "Well, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll bring that up to God. I'll, I'll, I'll take that to God." Because, because, who are you? You know, you are you are in the same boat as me. How? What makes you think that God's going to listen to you any more than He would listen to me? You know, you're a different person, but you've got your own issues. So, so we can't we can't simply. Um, have anybody do it. We've got to have somebody that God has authorized. And the reason for that is God makes promises about that person. That, that God has said, if you use the priesthood that I have provided, then I can guarantee you some things. And so I'm going to skip way ahead to, to the middle of chapter six, uh, six. And he says, he says that, that God has done two things. God has promised to listen to that priest. He'll accept what that priest brings in. 
and he has sworn that he will obey his own promise, that he will keep his promise. So it says, these are two things that don't change because it's impossible for God to lie. He says that, that I guarantee this priesthood. It's like God gives, uh, gives us a gift card and says, this has $50 in it, you know, spend it on, on whatever you want. That this priesthood, because it comes from God, God has authorized it, that it is guaranteed by God's promise and by God's, um, uh, uh, oath that I guarantee you that, that, um, I will keep my promise. So, so he has d- done this. Why did he do it? Still verse 18, he says he did this so that we, who have taken refuge in him, can be encouraged to grasp the hope that is lying in front of us. He knows we need encouragement. He knows that by ourselves, we will sit there and say, you know what, I should go to God, I should ask God for that help with that thing, I should do it, but I'm not gonna. I'm just not going to, and the reason is because I feel this, this sense of inadequacy, or I feel cut off, or whatever that looks like, but I'm not going to do it. And he says, by making this promise, by basically handing us this blank check, God is encouraging us to grasp it, to say, okay, all right, since I have it right here in my, in my hot little hand, yes, okay, I will, I will come to God. So he did this so that we would be encouraged to grasp the hope that is lying in front of us. So that's, that's the, the, the reason that he has, he has limited the priesthood to people that he's guaranteed he will, he will accept. But he goes on and he says, he, he talks now about the hope. He says in verse 19, this hope, which is a safe and secure anchor for our whole being, enters the sanctuary behind the curtain. So now he's saying, he's referring to the hope in terms of the priesthood. The, the hope that the priest brings with him is now simply, uh, collapsed into the idea of the priest. This hope enters the sanctuary behind the curtain. He's referring to a particular place in the in the uh, temple. That in the, the the temple in Jerusalem, there was something called the the holy place, and only priests could go into the holy place. Everybody else had to stay outside in the in the outer court. But the priests could go into the sanctuary, and inside the sanctuary there was a curtain, and it separated the the holy place from the most holy place, and. Uh, even the other priests couldn't go into that. Only one priest could go into that ho- most holy place, and that was the the high priest. And even he could only go one day a year on the the Day of Atonement. And the reason is because um, that uh, that he offered the the sins that uh, he offered he offered sacrifices on the Day of Atonement that that. Um, all the other sacrifices were encompassed into that. That that one day a year, all of that daily prayer, uh, the daily prayers and the daily offerings were were um, uh, incorporated into the 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 sacrifice and the the prayers of the high priest on the day of atonement. So that was the idea that he he could do that, and um, he says that the the hope the the high priest has entered the sanctuary behind the curtain. He's gone into the most holy place. The reason it's the most holy place is it is the place, it is the single place on earth where heaven and earth touch. That that this is the contact point between heaven and earth. That's the idea. And he says he says that that, that picture, with, the, with that picture in your mind, he now says that's where Jesus went in advance and entered for us since he became a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. He says Jesus went into the the inner sanctuary, the the high, most holy place, to offer a, a sacrifice on our behalf, as 
a priest, but not just the regular high priest, but a special high priest, and, and even essentially a, a higher priest, the, the highest priest, the priest in the order of Melchizedek. So he, he spends um, uh, most of chapter 7 talking about what it means to be a priest in the, the order of Melchizedek, but basically the idea is that he's a better priest, that that in the same way that the priests are better than the Levites, they're better suited. They're the guarantees that God has made uh, fit them more more closely that a priest in the order of Melchizedek is is better than a priest in the order of Aaron. So that's that's the idea, that he's a higher level of priest. And again, this is something we've been seeing over and over again throughout the book of Hebrews, that whatever anybody else can do, Jesus can do better. If they can do it, you know, at, you know, with a passing grade, Jesus will get top marks. Jesus gets a hundred on the test because whatever anybody else can do, Jesus can do better. That's been the theme of, of the writer all through this book. And he says it's true even of the nature of Jesus's priesthood. His priesthood is higher than the priests of Aaron. And, and the reason for that, as, as he goes into is he says that he is sinless, that he, he is, um, he is able to relate to us, but he is not um, like us. He hasn't sinned the way we do. He doesn't have the same weaknesses we do. He understands them. He, he has been exposed to the same weaknesses that, that we have, but he hasn't, he hasn't succumbed to them. So he says in verse 26, this is chapter 7, verse 26, he says, it's appropriate for us to have this kind of high priest. By appropriate, what he means is this is the kind of high priest we need. This is what works. The nature of our situation as people is that we need this kind of priest. It's appropriate for us to have this kind of high priest, holy, innocent, incorrupt, separate from sinners, and raised high above the heavens. So raised high above the heavens, he's 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 drawing on that earlier metaphor of going through the curtain. He's saying that this high priest has gone not simply into the the most holy place he's actually gone through the heavens he's he's gone you know what what is closer than to be uh, at the place where heaven and earth touch what is closer to god well the answer is in heaven itself and he says he has passed through the 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 curtain between heaven and earth and he is now in heaven so he says he is uh, raised high above the heavens but what about the holy innocent incorrupt separate from sinners the idea there is, in verse 27, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day like other high priests, first for their own sins and then for the sins of the people. Because he is uh, he is not corrupt. He is not uh, a sinful person. He has no sin. He's innocent. His sacrifice isn't diluted. It's a better sacrifice. And because of that... He doesn't have to offer sacrifices every day. That the 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 less uh, the lesser sacrifices of the high priest and the other priests aren't as good because they they're they're dissipated by the nature of the people's sin. But Jesus's sin is perfect. Remember, the idea of a sacrifice is you're 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 bringing something good in exchange for something better. Jesus is bringing a spotless sacrifice. There's no. There's no wrong in it. He is without sin. He is innocent. He is holy. He is incorrupt. He's separate from sinners. He's bringing the perfect sacrifice, the utterly perfect sacrifice. What is better than that? If you're exchanging that, what is better? And the answer is salvation for people. So he did this once and for all when he offered himself. Essentially, Jesus is is doing the uh, the one time, the, the one time Jesus entered um, the heavens on our behalf, he brought a sacrifice that was so good that everything else um, uh, is that everything we would ask 
is is less than that. So so that that uh, um, we get something better in exchange for this this great thing that he offered. So so that is the idea of the priest and how Jesus, like like with everything else we've looked at, Jesus is a better priest. So he is he is better in every way, including his priesthood and the sacrifice that he brings as a priest. So, what do we do with this? What what good news is there for us in this knowledge that Jesus is a better priest? Well, there's two things. One of them is just above this place in chapter seven, in verse twenty-two. He says, "As a result, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant." Now we don't have time to talk about that today, so we're going to talk about uh, the better covenant next week. We're going to wrap up our our discussion uh, of Hebrews next week as we look at this better covenant. And so come back next week, find out why that's better and what's good about it. But but that's that's one thing. The other thing that Jesus does, uh, the other thing that we can do because of this is, is we can bring this conversation back to where we started, back in the end of chapter 4, right before we picked up in verse 5, the writer says this. He says, let's hold on to the confession. Let's hold on to the thing that we all believe, this, this thing we believe about Jesus. Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, so he's, he, that, that's the place he ended at, and now he's, he's, um, and now we've gone back to the beginning. So we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, who is Jesus, God's son, because we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. We don't have somebody who's so perfect he can't relate to us. We have somebody who's perfect, but who can relate to us. Instead, we have one who is tempted in every way we are, except without sin. So, Jesus is the best possible priest. He's he's able to bring the best possible sacrifice. And so, what should we do about that? Verse 16, he says, Let's draw near to the throne of favor with confidence, so that we can receive mercy and find grace when we need help. So he says, go ahead, come before God, bring the request. Even if you feel cut off, even if you are not feeling it, you don't feel like God's going to say, sure, I'll be happy to do that for you. You feel like God's going to say, why did you do that? How did you lose that precious thing I gave you? If you feel that way, that's fine. We don't have to feel connected. We can trust that we're connected not because of anything we've done or because we're good people or because we've we've never, you know, broken anything, we've never we've never done anything to hurt other people or hurt ourselves, it, not because of that, but because of what Jesus has done because we have this great high priest, we can come before God even when we're not feeling it, even when we're anxious, even when we're saying what if he says we can still come before God. We can draw near the throne of grace so that we can receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Let's pray. Loving and holy God, you have, you have reconnected us in Jesus, that he brought the perfect sacrifice and it enabled us to, to be reconnected to you. And yet, Lord, sometimes we doubt. Uh, the nature of sin is that it lies to us and it, it misleads us. It, um, it preys on our ignorance of your true character. Lord, help us to remember um, what we sometimes don't feel, that you are uh, a good God who loves us and who delights to give good gifts to his children. Help us to remember that we can bring these problems to you. We can bring our the, the brokenness um, in ourselves and in the world without without worrying about recriminations or blame. We can come to you knowing that you have the ability to help us, trusting that you will do so because of what Jesus has done. We pray this in his name. Amen.